Come with me to Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read from verse 40. Acts chapter 2, verse 40. This is just immediately at the end when they were all in the upper room, the Holy Spirit had fallen, great mighty rushing wind, tongues of fire, they start speaking in other tongues. It's 9 a.m. in the morning or 10 in the morning. The city thinks they're drunk. It's awesome. Peter gets up, tells everybody, hey guys, this isn't, you know, this isn't wine. Uh, this isn't any kind of like substance. This is what Joel prophesied, the prophet Joel. Yay. Okay, so let's go to verse 40. So, and it said, And with many other words he testified, talking about Peter, and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Dude, if Peter was telling them they were perverse, what would Peter say of our generation? Think about that for just a minute. They didn't have Tinder. Just throw that out there and every other vile thing that our generation has. Okay, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized. Imagine that. Imagine, hey guys, just come out of all your filth. And everyone's like, yeah, gladly receive that word and we get baptized. Like just, just, sometimes we read it and we're like, okay, 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 okay. We don't actually see what it's saying. Peter stands up, you guys are all filthy. You're living in perversion. This is disgusting. God's not pleased with this. And everyone's like, yeah, this is awesome. Let's get out of this. There's a new thing happening. (laughs) And those who gladly received the word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Dude, 120 people have a glory blowout. Holy Spirit comes. This blows my mind. This blows my mind. 120 people were doing the first church. The first church meeting. That's a revival meeting for the books. Peter gets up and explains it and the result, because everyone thought they were drunk, the result is 3,000 people get saved. Hang on, man. 120 becoming 3,120 is like a pretty good evangelism event. I just want to go on record. (laughs) Okay, so this technically is literally the first church. I want you guys to get this. This is the first church. Not the early church, this is the first one. Their very first meeting starts with like, what is that, 30x? It's about 3,000x actually, I think. I don't know, I messed up now on my math, just leave me alone. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of, it's a lot of people, okay? <laughs> it's something like that, like a hundred. Anyway, I'm going to leave it alone. Keep, keep moving, Andrew. Keep moving. <laughs> Anyways. Um, and watch this. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. In the breaking of bread and prayers. So the apostles' doctrine simply looks like this. The leader's teaching. So it doesn't say they skeptically analyzed. It says they followed in the apostles. They followed steadfastly. They didn't just follow. They didn't follow loosely. They didn't follow with their own options and their own you know, multi-choice question. 
Do you want to follow 100%, 80%, 60% or 30? I don't know. I think I want to call mum and dad. Little slumdog millionaire blowout. <laughs> so, so this is beautiful. So they, they, I want you to look at these four things here. They continue steadfastly in the apostles' teaching, which is doctrine. So they're teaching. So they didn't just listen to it and think, well, I could go check out 30 other different uh, theories on YouTube, the apostles, right? They, they actually said, this is what we're being taught. It's like God speaking to us through these people, and we're going to grab a hold of that, and we're going to run with this. You guys with me? See, this is where, like, we, oh, I don't know. Is he trying to, like, set us up to, like, trap us? No, I'm not. I'm trying to get you to see what the Bible says. I want you to understand this is how the kingdom works. And when the kingdom works like this, tons of souls get saved. If we're trying to save the apparently saved to believe what the Bible actually says, we ain't going to be saving nobody. True? Okay. So, steadfastly in the apostles', apostles doctrine, the second one is fellowship. You have to have a church that actually likes each other and wants to hang out. And not in cliques where there's certain groups that, like a little magnet at the end of the service and like no one gets to talk to them. Hello? We just need everybody loving everybody. This is not a youth church or an age church. It's not a TBN church with purple hair. A little perp hair or something got pink hair. You guys know what I'm talking about. Not that I'm against purple and pink. They're good colors. But this is a multi-generational church. This is where everyone has value. The aged for their wisdom, the young for their zeal. Together we can do this. Come on. Come on. So fellowship is as important as doctrine. I want you to get this. This is a formula for success. He's agreeing with us. He's like, I'm going to church. Watch this. In the breaking of bread. Now, the breaking of bread sounds like everyone just hanging out and eating bread. It's not. Breaking of bread always symbolized covenant. So we don't just hang out together. We're covenanted together. I'm not just going to divorce you because one day you say something I don't like. Well, the leaders corrected me on something that I know I'm blown on, but I didn't like the way they did it. So I'm leaving. It's a culture of divorce. We divorce friends as much as we divorce marriages. 100%. Oh, I'm just going like, I'm just going to like, you know, just go into stealth mode and like I'll hang out for a little bit and then I'm just going to slip out the back door. Because I didn't like that. <laughs> so, so breaking of bread is where we're actually covenanted into a family, not just fellowshipping together like, oh yeah, the weather was really great this week, wasn't it? Pass the mashed potatoes, please. You get what I'm saying? And the last point is prayers. Prayer changes everything, just like worship. Prayer changes everything. So these four things, teaching of leadership, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Okay, so now that we've established that, let's keep reading. Then fear came upon every soul. Now I want to clarify what that fear is because that sounds like, oh, you should be afraid of God. It's not. 
this word has not been translated very well in some of the translations. Okay, so there's two types of fear. There's terrifying fear, and then there's reverential fear. This one's reverential fear. Reverential fear means that you respect someone so much that you're going to do anything or not do anything in order to please not offend them or serve them. Okay? So in this case, the fear of the Lord makes one wise. Not being afraid of God, God's a relational God. Why would He want you to be afraid of Him? Well, that's what they told us in church. They told us in church growing up that God had a giant hammer, and if you stepped out of line, He's going to crunch you and then zap you with lightning. Mm, Nope. Jesus died for you. God sent His best so that He couldn't zap you for fun. That That theory theology is blown, messed up, broken, Put it in the trash and leave it there. But the fear of the Lord, the healthy respect of God, causes us to walk right with God. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord shall cause a young man to depart from evil. When I respect God's opinion more than sin's appeal, I will walk right. When I respect God's opinion more than sin's appeal, I will walk right with God. Someone getting something today? Okay. That one just came out. must be the Holy Ghost because I ain't that clever. Okay, so, then fear came upon every soul, watch this, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Well, newsflash, if you keep reading, because this was just the first church, if you keep reading, the apostles, or the apostolic, are for the equipping of the saints. So this is not a kingdom where we watch the leadership do the miracles. Yeah, I'll give that one a four and a half out of ten. Person fell over and a leg grew out. That was pretty good. This is not a spectator sport. This is where we. Can you imagine what, what Orange County would look like if every single one of us right now just said, This month I'm getting. Every single one of us individually. Every one of us goes out and gets one person with stage four cancer healed. Well, if I could just get them to come to church to see there's miracles. Nope. That's an old model. It's a dead wineskin. You take the power. You take the miracles. You take the, the transformative, transformative goodness of God to people's lives. And then when you get them healed in Walmart, you stand up and grab one of them little Walmart little radio comms. There's a healing in aisle six. We have a healing. If you need Jesus, make your way to aisle six. Or meet me out front when they kick me out. You want a disturbance? That's a good one. Come on, stop. We need to stop looking. at Well, if, if, if I could just get them to meet my pastor. Yeah, that might be true to some level. But actually, what about the Jesus on the inside of you that's meeting them all the time? Okay. So the way I, I really pay attention to this stuff, look at this. It says, then fear came on every soul. So deep reverence for God not skepticism for the leaders. Deep reverence for God, then great miracles started blowing out everywhere. Notice that? That's not like that on purpose. That's not like that by accident. That's on purpose, like that. And many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. As a church, let me tell you about the real model of a church. We take care of our own. We take care of the people in our territory where we can too. 
giving money, helping buying lunch for some homeless person. Yes, all that stuff. Yes. Visiting your neighbors. Yes. We take care of people in the kingdom. There's a need. We look to help. Okay? And you don't need to start a prayer group because if you can see a need, you might be the answer. Well, wait till the leadership's there. No, maybe it's you. Hello? Maybe you can make a meal for that person that's hurting right now. Maybe you can just buy a bunch of flowers and, and buy or bake a cake or something. Maybe you can pay that person's rent for the next month because they're hurting. Now, not if they're manipulating you and like, yeah, I just wish someone would help me. And it's, I'm, no, no, look, let's be wise. Let's not be fools. Like, God, would you like me to do this because I'm stewarding your money anyways? I'm going to take this just as seriously as I am if you tell me to give money. I'm going to take this the same. God, do you want me to do this? There have been times where I've wanted to do the things in my emotions and God's like, nope, don't get in my way. You're going to, de- you're going to deter what I'm trying to do. And I'm like, okay, kind of awesome, God, yay. It's like, oh, I was so wrong. Like, just ask. But on the flip side of that, I just say that because otherwise people can get sucked into obligatory giving, emotional giving. We want to be spirit-led. But maybe you are someone's breakthrough. Maybe, maybe God wants you to pay someone's rent or help someone you know, with their car bill or just you know, whatever that looks like. We're here to help each other. They had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as, had need, as anyone had need. That don't look like the church we live in today. The church we live in today is very selfish. Hello? Okay. Watch this. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. That word, or that statement, simplicity of heart, is one I want us to pay attention to for a second. Stop being so suspicious of everything and learn to be satisfied with what God's given you. There is no perfect church. You're going to find flaws in everyone. We become so critically pessimistic and critical of churches and leaders because we've been so damaged that we don't let God heal us and we just constantly look for the next problem. And you just find someone to become your next story. Okay. So they, I want you to pay attention to this. They, they, they ate their food with gladness, satisfaction, and simplicity of heart. They just loved each other simply. Can we get back to just loving each other simply with no agenda and just being real, can we, put our, can we put our armor down for a minute? And I'm not talking about the armor of God. Can we, can we put our guns down and our swords down and actually learn to love each other sim- simply? Just, I care about you because. I don't need nothing from you. There's no agenda. Just simply. The problem is, is we've become so sophisticated in our Christianity that it's become like this, this thing, this mechanism. And actually, God just wants us to be family. Can you see the simplicity here? If someone had a need, hey, I'm going to go sell my wagon to make sure that you're cared for because I don't want anyone hurting. Does that, does that, can you see that? The, these are the people that walk with Jesus that then immediately stewarded the, the early church right after that.
praising God and having favor with all people. And watch this. If you could just put a giant like equals symbol, like a math equation right now at this point. All of that equals, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The reason that we're not seeing people saved every week in our lives is because this section that we've just read is not fully in place. I'm talking about us personally. Can we honestly say, like, can we honestly say that we're walking in deep reverential respect for God personally? Or has church just become something that we do? Just, just asking questions. Are we really following what we're being taught, or are we skeptically dissecting it? Hello? Do we fellowship with each other, or do we run away and hide? I'll see you next week. Yay. This, this, this year I've spoken to you a total of like 45 minutes, the whole year put together. I really know you. Hello? And they covenanted with each other. They're like, i got covenant with this guy right here. Like if he calls me at 2 or 3 in the morning and he is in serious trouble, I'm loading the guns. Saddle up, baby. Second Amendment. Okay? <laughs> you, get, you get my point, though. I'm not trying to be political. Okay? <laughs> I said, I never said to go shoot somebody. It could have been to go hunting. I don't know. Put meat in his freezer for his need. I have no idea. <laughs> Stop dissecting what I'm saying. <laughs> gotcha. So, <laughs> so, so I have covenant with this guy here, and he has covenant with me. If he has any need, done. What can I do? There have been times where we've each given each other, hey man, feel like the Lord's given, needs to give you money. Here you go, open up my safe, it's yours. Same way, two-way street. Because we care about each other and we care about each other's needs. Covenant. And if I have something in my ability, my power, I'm giving it to you. What do you need? You get me? We need to move to that as a church. We need to stop building big churches that come together at the Regal Cinema and like give each other the little head nod while we're eating popcorn. Like, hey, what's up, bro? This is a good movie. Shh. Turn your phone off. Gosh. Right? We need to stop. <laughs> it's, it sounds funny, but it's so, it's so true. We've learned how to big build big temples and institutions where large groups of people come together and it looks good, but there's no, none of this. We need to build this with each other. And we need to not just do it with people that look like us. I, I was on, a, on a, a call about pioneering and discipleship on Friday night uh, on Facebook and Zoom. And, you know, I made the statement. I said, you know, you have to understand that Jesus sowed very indiscriminately. And, like, he talked about the parable of the sower, and I think Matthew chapter 13. And do you understand that he sowed and only 25% of the ground actually knew what to do with the seed? But he still gave everyone equal opportunity. And then in his discipleship, you don't just see carpenters like him. There was a tax collector. There was a doctor. I believe there was a lawyer. There were fishermen and probably some other trades and professions. We need to stop just covenanting with people that look like us. Can I say that? Good, because I'm going to say it a lot. We need to have diversity. 
Not you going and not not some young dude having covenant with a whole bunch of single girls. That ain't covenant. That's lust. Oh, I just need to be their friend. I just need to connect with them. No, you don't. You need to put yourself in check, homeboy. We've got some quarterbacks going to take you out. I mean that really caringly and respectfully because we lie to ourselves about things that are so blown and we end up believing stuff that's completely ridiculous. We need a covenant with God. There's so much I could talk about on this. Jesus actually discipled the guys that God gave him, not that he picked. You can see it real clearly in the Scripture. I don't have time to go into it. It's another time. Actually, if you want to learn more about it, I talked about it on that Facebook Zoom. It's on one of my Facebook pages. But Jesus walked, like you can see Nathaniel. Jesus saw Nathaniel in a vision before Nathaniel even showed up on the scene. And then Jesus, like, word of knowledge to him. And Nathaniel's like, whoa, you are really the Son of God. You are the Messiah. This is amazing. And Jesus is like, dude, if that impresses you, just wait. Basically, that's what he said. He said, it's going down. But see, Jesus didn't just pull people that looked like him. And we need to learn how to have covenant relationship with people that aren't just in our clique. We need to destroy cliques. Cliques are horrible. You ever been into a church? And I know that we're not bad at it, but we could be better. You ever been into a church and like everyone's just, and you're standing there like, huh, I guess I'll be leaving now. And everyone's just standing there talking. You ever had that? I've had that experience when I was younger. That's messed up. No one likes that. that. That's just a sign that they care about each other, not about anyone else. So when new people show up, you show them the love of Jesus. You care about them like they're your best friend. Hello? That's Jesus said in John, he said, this is how the world will know, by their love for one another. And he says to the Father God that they would be one like we're one, Father. He says, we've got to have this. Okay, real quick, I'm at 3.30. Can I have 10 minutes? Yes. Okay, awesome. Someone just said yes, so that's awesome. Someone was me. Come over with me, please, to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. So the result of a healthy church is that God adds to our number daily or weekly, not us striving. Do you notice that, what we just read in Acts chapter 2? And God added to their number daily. Because if you, become, if you become healthy and trustworthy, God will start to trust you with more souls. Does that make sense? Who would like to have a brand new soul that they're caring for in the kingdom? Yeah, it's awesome. Even if you, you're like, well, you know, I kind, of, I kind of got a long way to go. Cool, we all do. And you might not have it all together and you might not, you know, you might still have a whole bunch of struggles, but you can at least someone, lead someone to Jesus to the point where you are. And in the issues that over and above what you can deal with or what you're walking in in a healthy way, you can bring them to leaders in the church. We can all lead people to Jesus. Every one of us can at least be a pastor of one person. You ever thought about that before? We can at least love and lead someone to one person. And if you're just not in a healthy place at all, connect them with someone else that is. It's okay. Come on. Okay. Real quickly, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at this. Now, I was speaking a little about, bit about apathy up here. Okay? I'm going to go down that road real quick. Luke chapter 14, verse 16. There's a parable Jesus talks about. Then he said to, to him, 
A certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to all those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. Well, I'm just really tired, Jesus. I'm just really worn out. of. I feel real fatigued, Jesus. Right? The first said to him, I've bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to go test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I, am, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. I don't know how marrying a wife would stop you going to a... That's messed up. That's a bad marriage. Anyways, <laughs> should bring your wife with you, man. What's wrong with you? Anyways, <laughs> uh, just playing. It's okay to have some fun. And therefore, I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of the house, being angry, you've got to understand that Jesus is asking all of us to do stuff. And when we make excuses, God's not like, oh, it's okay. It'll all work out. No, he actually gets upset. God has emotions. God has emotions. What do you mean God has emotions? Um, Sodom and Gomorrah, anybody? Bad day on the earth. They actually say that Sodom and Gomorrah, the damage that happened, the archaeologists have found Sodom and Gomorrah, they say it was worse than a nuclear blast. When God gets down... So the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring, in, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. And then the master said to his servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of these men who were invited shall taste my supper. And why have you segued here, Andrew, from Acts chapter 2? Jesus is actually talking about people that are already connected with the kingdom that treat it with insignificance, that treat it with disdain, or that have like a sleepy, hollow spirit that doesn't actually take it seriously. Jesus is actually talking about kingdom people that are invited to kingdom things. And instead, he places an urgency on the servant and he says, go out and compel them to come. Speaking of, when it's talking about the highways and the byways and the hedges, it's talking about like, just go get anyone you can and start compelling them to come. Now, the feast that they're talking about is the wedding, wedding feast of the Lamb. You guys know what I'm talking about when I say that? He's talking about the wedding feast of the Lamb. Guys, we have to actually be like the servant who's being instructed, go out everywhere and compel people to come. Go out and get them. When you come back and say, I did it, Jesus, he's like, do it again. Do it again. You see, a, a healthy church looks like a church that has souls being added daily, weekly. And one of the problems we do sometimes is we sit back and we look at the church and we go, well, there's other people doing stuff. Right now I need to have me time. Nope, that's not how it works. It's kind of like giving. You can't turn your giving off just because you're going through a hard time with God. And in the same way, you can't turn kingdom off just because you think it's someone else's job. Jesus is looking at you. Jesus is looking at you. And actually, if we're walking personally right with God, God's going to start sending people to us. And God's looking us. It's like when we were in worship tonight, uh, earlier today, 
You, you can either just have like this, like, yeah, kind of like into worship, but yeah, I kind of feel sleepy too. Or you can have this intentional engagement with heaven. And the same is true that if we start doing all these other things, if we start following the things that God's causing our leaders to teach us, if we start fellowshipping, if we start um, breaking bread and covenant, and if we start really focusing on our prayer life and our walk with God, I'm going to tell you when you walk with God, doesn't it feel good? When you're actually like putting time in to be with God, don't you just feel like supercharged? Isn't it awesome? And you just feel like, man. And then you start seeing everyone around you with a different set of eyes. You start saying, they could have this too. The reason we don't get souls saved is because we don't believe in it for ourselves. We go to church to alleviate our own conscience. We don't go to church to celebrate what God's been doing in our heart this week. Come on. We need to get that where our hearts shift. Because if we can follow this stuff and allow God to shift our hearts, like, you know what? I am going to actually start implementing the things that God has our leaders teach us. I am going to actually start fellowshipping with people instead of isolating myself from people during the week because I'm scared of relationship. How about I actually break through that and start overcoming that? If you're like a single, a single woman here in this church, why don't you invite some of the other single women over to your house and break through that? Just from today, I'm going to be friendly. The Bible says, you know, if you want friends, you should show yourself friendly. Well, stop hiding then. And then saying, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me. Oh, just no one cares about me. Yeah, because you hide. And when they come to your house to knock or they call, you don't pick up. See, but once we start crossing over, the Spirit of God starts getting contagious on the inside of us and we start to become uh, very impassioned seeking the lost. And then you start going to the highways and byways. Like I, talk, I think, was it last week or the week before I talked about, it was last week I talked about that lady in Georgia in that Waffle House diner when I was out hunting. I'm telling you, man, I just like that, that'll bring you to tears. When you start to realize how broken people are, it don't matter their race, their age, their gender. It doesn't matter. They need Jesus. And here I am enjoying how beautiful God is to me. And I'm walking by someone that is dying every moment on the inside. I am not that busy. That appointment can move. Come on. Whatever. Keep my, look, honestly, I've done this stuff before. Keep my movie ticket. I've, I've let air tickets go over this stuff. Expensive airline tickets. Not cheap ones. Because souls matter more than anything. Can we get this, guys? This stuff will only be an act until you fall in love with Jesus, until you start following in the teaching of what the leadership in your life is pouring out, until you start really engaging in fellowship, until you start actually saying, I'm not just going to be you know, an attender, I'm going to start to covenant with people. And I'm going to start walking healthy relationship. And I'm going to start actually having a prayer life. What's a prayer life? Conversation with God. Sometimes I wish we could just rename some of these words in the Bible because we've been so immunized by their religiosity. We, instead of prayer, how about we just say conversation with Jesus? Chats with my dad. Can we, can we, sometimes that can sound real familiar, but get what I'm saying. Conversations with God. I want to talk to God. Tell him about my struggles. Talk about my family that isn't saved and beg for their souls. Come on. We can do this. We can save this territory, we can see our friends' lives changed. Someone with me tonight? I mean, it almost is tonight, so we'll say tonight. 
We love you guys. Like We are as a team here to serve every single person in this community. But it's got to start with all of us transforming our hearts and our walks with God. Not just better branding. Not just the next worship song so that we feel refreshed. Hello. It's got to look like us stepping into something. And I believe we can do this. Lord spoke to me in prayer. We were in prayer. We pray at our table almost every single uh, weekday morning for an hour. It's just become a habit for us. We've been doing it for a couple of years now. I shared how I went into a vision and I actually saw the pages of this church and I saw the pages look like seasons and I saw the pages actually speeding up and I saw that God's going to accelerate what he's doing here and we're going to start to transition through seasons quickly. But that's going to need to be embraced by people that have aligned themselves. Otherwise, you'll watch seasons go past you and you won't be on the wave. I'm telling you, this is how it works. You've got to align your heart so that you can catch what God's going to do. Otherwise, all you are is a spectator. And you, and you end up old and gray saying, I wish I had have done more. I wish I had have gone in. I'm telling you, today's the day of salvation, not just for the lost, but also for the saved. Come on. So with that, I'm going to land. Because I've taken the 10 minutes I said I would. But we love you guys. And if anyone here needs help, look, I can give you help, but I can't give you as much help as Jesus can in your bedroom. Jesus can give you so much help in your bedroom if you just give him time. And you just put worship music on and just lift your arms up and just talk to him and cry like my wife was sharing in worship and just let your heart pour out. He will transform you. And then from that place, God, if you've put me in this church, that means that you've entrusted me to the people that are ministering here. And I'm going to start taking that and I'm going to start taking it to heart and let it transform me. I'm going to put it into action. Amen? So, Father, right now, we just thank you for today. We thank you, God, that you've just taken us through this, the last part of Acts chapter 2 and that you've just really talked to us about aligning ourselves with what you're doing, aligning ourselves with, with, with what it looks like to be prepared for you to add numbers to us, God. So in Jesus' name, Father, we ask primarily that every single person here would just be lit up on fire, God, that we would draw near to you and that you would set us on fire in response, that we would have intimacy with you and communion and connection with you and covenant, God, not just with you, but also with each other. The cross was vertical and horizontal. God, and that, that you're calling us into a connection with you and with each other. So we ask you, God, that you would bless this church. You would bless every family here, every life here, God, every future marriage here in Jesus' name. That you just cause us, Father, to cross over, cross over into being fully in, fully in, God, where we have all things in common, where we're for each other. Where you look at it and say, you know what, I can work with that. I'm going to pour out my spirit. And there's just going to be mass salvations, mass healings, mass miracles pouring out every which way. Father, I bless these people. I bless every one of the people in our church, every one of the people watching online. And I just pray that there just be significant moves of your spirit in each of our hearts, that you would just help us work through the areas that are still strongholds that need to go, God, the areas of fear that need to be disarmed, God, the areas of brokenness that need to be healed so that we can come into the image and the, and the conformity of who you are, Jesus, and work together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we love you guys. Be blessed. Have a wonderful rest of your Sunday evening.